Hello, I'm Ray with another Sunday podcast episode. Now, while you're listening to this, I will be in the Isle of Wight. I'm still on holiday. I'm back tomorrow, Monday. So I've had to record this, when was it, a week and a half ago? Because I've been away all this week, all last week. Oh, that's all confusing. How are you? I hope you're keeping well. If you want to complain about anything or say you like the podcast episodes, please email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. Be great to hear from you. Now, I'm enjoying myself on the Isle of Wight, so while I'm doing that, I might even listen to this myself, actually, while I'm relaxing on the island with a beer in hand beneath the sun. Well, I hope it's sunny. I really do hope it's going to be sunny. Before I go any further, I was watching a bit of news on the telly earlier this morning, and they had that advert. It's a great advert. It's a couple of boys kicking a football into a goal. And the goal, you've probably seen the advert, it's a kind of net goal. And all around the outside of the goal is a huge net. It's to stop the ball going over. If you miss the, the goal itself, you haven't got to run half a mile <laughs> you know, to go and collect the ball, which is a, a great idea. I remember that as a kid. You know, you'd miss the goal and the ball would go miles away. You've got to run after it. It's a great product, a great advert. But at, you know what I'm going to say? At the end, why do they do this? The boy kicks the ball and the chap says, I mean, I can't do it very well. They think it's going over. It's not now. Why does he talk like that? <laughs> it's awful. Do they do it deliberately? I think they do it deliberately to annoy people. It's deliberately designed to annoy people. So they remember the advert and it's worked. I'm thinking about it. I'm talking to you about it. The advert's worked, has not it? It's a great product. Uh, because of that dreadful chap at the end, <laughs> all due respect to him, I mean... Perhaps he was told to talk like that. I don't know. But I suppose the adverts worked, doesn't it? And there's that other dreadful advert. What is it? Jewellery or gold or something. It's about having your jewellery repaired. They sell and buy jewellery and things. It's quite a good advert. But again, at the end, they've got this chap with a high voice. Whether you want jewellery repaired, sold or bought, go to... Well, go to whatever website. Um, actually, I'm getting quite good at this. <laughs> no, I'm not. Why do they do it? It's, I don't know. It's deliberate. Let's forget that. Now, you wanted a story, didn't you? So I think that's probably what we'll do next. I won't uh, go on about adverts anymore. Well, not in this episode. I've got some more gripes about adverts, but I'll save those for another episode. Now, before I start the story, I've got to set the scene. Alan lived in a rented flat. He was well, about my age, 22. His parents had split up some years previously, I think his mother had gone abroad somewhere and it wasn't at all happy. It was a, a terrible divorce, apparently. He didn't say a great deal about it. He did tell me at one stage that his father had also gone abroad, so both parents were somewhere in the world. The only relation he had was his aunt, a, a very ageing aunt, who I did meet on a couple of occasions. He got on very well with her, uh, well, as it was his only relation, in the country. He got on very well with her. He popped round to see her once a fortnight. He carried out any maintenance work that needed doing on her house. He tended the garden, basically did anything for her, even did shopping for her. Now, what Alan hadn't told his aunt was that he'd met Angela. He'd been going out with Angela for about six months and they'd planned to get married. He hadn't told his aunt, apparently, this is what he was telling me, because his aunt was a bit funny where his girlfriends were concerned. In fact, he never told her anything about girlfriends. 
because she'd always said to him that uh, she'd always said, the day you meet a girl that decide to get married, I want to vet her. I want to make sure she's good enough for you. You know, all that sort of thing, <laughs> which was quite funny, really, looking back. So he didn't tell her that he was marrying Angela. He hadn't told Angela about his aunt because he knew that she'd want to meet her. So he kept Angela a secret from his aunt and his aunt a secret from Angela. A week before the wedding, he still hadn't told Angela about the aunt, but he told the aunt about Angela. He said, right, I'm getting married. I need to meet her. I need to vet her. You bring her around here. He said, yes, yes, I'll bring her around and you can meet her and you can make sure that she's suitable for me. <laughs> Sadly, before Alan could take Angela around there, the lady passed away. This was only a day or two later. She passed away. Alan didn't say anything to Angela. He didn't want to upset the wedding day. He was obviously very, very upset. His aunt had passed away. His only relation in the country had passed away. He was very close to her and he was very upset. But he tried to hide it because he didn't want to spoil the wedding day for Angela. They got married. I was there. Only a register office affair. And uh, a bit of a party afterwards where we all had a few drinks, of course. Alan actually did very well because I knew how upset he was. He told me and one or two other close friends. But he hid it well from Angela. They went off on honeymoon somewhere. I forget where it was, probably Spain back in those days. <laughs> in the 70s, it was bound to be Spain, wasn't it? Mallorca, Mallorca, or whatever it was. <laughs> Lorraine Chase. Do you remember Lorraine Chase? Was it you wafted here from paradise? She said, ah, Luton Airport. <laughs> anyway, that's beside the point. Why am I talking about Lorraine Chase? Alan and Angela got back from their honeymoon. I didn't see them for, I don't know, two or three months. And I bumped into Alan. And he told me that his aunt had left him the house. He owned it outright, no mortgage, nothing. It was his, and it was a huge house in a lovely part of, uh, just on the outskirts of town, a very expensive house. And I was saying, wow, fantastic. You know, have you moved in? Does Angela like it? And he said, I haven't told her. <laughs> you haven't told Angela? I, I was stunned. I said, what do you mean you haven't told your wife? Surely you're going to move in, aren't you? You're, you're in a rented flat. I'd been to their flat. It was it was okay, but a, a very small one-bedroom flat, no garden. And he owned this huge house outright. And I said, well, you know, why haven't you moved in? He told me, now he'd never told me this before, that when his parents had divorced, they'd split up. This was the days, remember, when the house was in the, the father's, the husband's name. Okay, so the house was in his dad's name. They split up. His mum left with nothing. He didn't go into great detail about whether he was in touch with his mum or his dad or anything like that. He just said that they'd split up. The mum basically got kicked out of the house. All she had was her suitcase with a few clothes in and the house belonged to his dad. That's how it was in the old days. That's how things worked out. So I said to Alan, so you know, what's the problem? Things are changing. It's now equal, isn't it? You know, you, you're married, you, you both... You could have the house in both your names. And he said, no, 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 that's not the point. Apparently his dad, all throughout his childhood, had said to Alan, always keep things to yourself. Don't go sharing things, especially with your wife. One day when you get married, don't tell her what you earn. You know, his dad was one of these very old-fashioned people who gave his wife the, the housekeeping money. She had no idea what he earned. She didn't know what savings he had, if any. 
It was his house. His dad was very secretive. I mean, it's all different these days, obviously. But this is how Alan had been brought up. This was his way of thinking. He'd been basically indoctrinated, programmed, if you like, conditioned. And his worry was, he told me, his worry was that if ever he and Angela split up, she would have half of his aunt's house, which was now his house. So I said, well, you, you can't keep it secret. You, <laughs> you can't own a, a huge house on the outskirts of town. He told me he went there regularly to tend the garden, mow the lawns, because otherwise it would just be left a, a rack and ruin, you know, overgrown. He went round there, he cleaned the windows, and his wife didn't know. What a strange situation. He was a lovely chap, but he just had this fear, it well, instilled in him by his father, that uh, you know, what is yours is yours. Don't tell anyone how much money you've got. Don't tell anyone anything, even your own wife. Keep it secret. As, thinking back, I mean, he didn't tell me this, but that's probably why his mum left his dad. <laughs> she probably had enough of it. That sets the scene so you know exactly what the kind of picture is as to what's going on. Now, you're probably wondering, as I did at the time, what's going to happen? They live in a rented flat. He owns a big house that he has to go and look after and do the garden. Angela knows nothing about it. What's going to happen? Over the next year or so, I, I saw them a few times. I used to go out for a beer with Alan sometimes. I went round to the flat met Angela, I got on well with her. She was talking about having a family, of course, and uh, she was talking about buying a place. She was saying to me one evening when I was there, I don't want to live in a rented flat, I want to get a mortgage and buy a house. Of course, Alan's looking at me and shaking his head negatively. I, mean, I wouldn't say anything anyway, but it was a very awkward situation, knowing that this poor, <laughs> this poor girl, you know, she's married, she's happy, wants to have a family, wants to get a mortgage, buy a house. And she hasn't got a clue that her husband owns this huge house on the outskirts of town. I don't know why I'm laughing. It was a difficult situation. And I used to say to him, you know, when I got him alone, I used to say to him, what are you going to do? Are you going to sell it? Oh, no, no, it's my aunt's house. I'm not selling that. He was a funny chap. He'd always been great. Before all this, he'd been pretty good, a bit secretive, uh, if ever I mentioned wages, you know, what are you what are you earning then, Alan? Oh, enough. Things like that. He wouldn't ever tell you anything. You know, he bought a car once, I remember. Um, an Austin Healey Sprite, a nice little car. And I said, what did that cost you? Oh, enough. <laughs> he wouldn't tell you anything. Very secretive. Obviously, he got this from his dad. So a year or so went by and he still hadn't told Angela. And he was at least honest with me. He said, I don't know what to do. And I remember saying to him, well, look, you've been together a year, you know, uh, she wants a family. Why not tell her? Oh, what if we ever split up? I lose half my aunt's house. I'd have to sell it. I think that was his big worry, that he'd have to sell the house and give her half the money or something like that. He didn't want to sell the house. He wanted to keep it in the family, which is fair enough. This story has some weird twists and turns you're probably going to start thinking I'm a dodgy narrator now <laughs> a dodgy narrator I can't remember what it's supposed to be not dodgy what was it Susan remind me not dodgy anyway you're probably going to think that this is all made up it's not this I'm not a dodgy narrator this is factual how about that there's a word factual I met Alan in the pub we used to meet up sort of once a week if we could make it and one evening we were having a beer 
and Tracy came along. Now, Tracy was about our age, regular in the pub, one of the locals, and she came and joined us, started chatting, and she looked a bit sad, a bit down. So I said, are you OK? Well, not really, she said. I'm uh, being thrown out of my bedsit. She had a, a bedsit place, you know, one room with bed, sofa, a little cooker, a little fridge, that sort of thing. Anyway, she was being thrown out and uh, she said, I don't know where I'm going to go. I didn't know her story. I didn't know where her parents were or only knew her from the pub. And Alan started talking to her. He said, well, when have you got to get out? And she said, well, sort of now, really. And to my shock, horror, <laughs> I just couldn't believe what he said to her. He said, I've got a house that's empty. You can live there if you want. And of course, she was over the moon. Empty house? Where's this? Empty house? Yeah, she was really over the moon about the thing. And he said, look, I'll give you a key. Come there with me now. I've got a spare key in the house. You can move in when you like. I was stunned. I was absolutely stunned after all his secretive business. And I mean, Tracy would have told people in the pub. I knew that she'd be saying to people, oh, I've moved into Alan's house. It was supposed to be a big secret. Well, I don't know. I just don't know what had come over him. Alan said to me, might see you a bit later, if not next week. And I just, uh, OK, uh, yeah, right. OK. I didn't know what to say. I was just stuck for words. I just couldn't believe what he was just about to do, moving Tracy into the house. She was a, a friendly girl. She was lovely, fairly attractive, nice company. I mean, not that I knew her that well, but as I said, she was just one of the crowd in the pub. He'd not mentioned rent to her or money or anything like that. He'd just said move in. He hadn't said it even sort of temporarily or for a few days. The whole thing was just totally bizarre. I didn't know what to think. When he'd gone, I just, I finished my drink and just stood at the bar on my own, just trying to work out what on earth he thought he was up to. Word would soon get round the pub. Oh, Tracy's moved into Alan's house. Oh, has he got a house? Yeah, apart from his rented flat with his wife, he's got a huge house. Of course, word would get back to Angela. Angela came into the pub sometimes. Sometimes they came in together. She chatted to people. She knew people. What a strange situation. I hadn't seen Alan for a couple of weeks. And I was downtown and I bumped into Angela. And she said, oh, thanks for looking after Alan the other night. He, he told me that you both had far too much to drink. And I, I didn't know what to say. I, yes, um, oh, fine, yeah, fine. As she rambled on about Alan having to stay at my place overnight, I was fuming inside. I was fuming. He'd used me as an excuse, obviously, to stay at his house with Tracy. Well, that was my immediate thought. I couldn't think of any other reason. To use me like that was just terrible. Didn't he think that I might bump into Angela? Didn't he think that we might meet somewhere and she's going to mention it? It was at that stage that I had really, in my mind, finished with Alan. It was all too complicated. He wasn't the chap that I thought I'd known at all, hiding the house from Angela and now seemingly cheating on her. The whole thing was just, it was just so sad. I carried on going to the pub because I knew quite a few people there. I didn't see Alan or Angela or, or Tracy, as it happens. All three had disappeared from the pub. Not that Angela went there a great deal. But Alan certainly did, and so did Tracy. I didn't go and visit Alan and Angela at the flat because I didn't want to be involved with his lies. I just thought, I'll keep out of the whole thing, just keep out of the way. A year, more, no, more than a year, two years must have passed. I hadn't seen any of them. And to be honest, I'd just forgotten all about them. 
until one afternoon I went for a walk. Lovely day, went for a walk, and I found myself in the road where Alan's house was, the big house. So I wandered along the road and had a look. I don't know what I was doing there. I was just walking, just enjoying the, the weather. And I stood outside the house. I was just looking at it, wondering whether Alan lived there, whether Tracy was still there. And Angela came out, big smile on her face, bouncing down the path. Oh, hello, Ray. I thought that was you. I just happened to look out of the window. I was sure it was you. How are you? I haven't seen you for years. Bit of an exaggeration, but she was fantastic. Because I, I was immediately thinking, what is she doing here? Where's Alan? Where's Tracy? Obviously, he told her about the house. I didn't know what was going on. So I said that I just happened to be passing and uh, remembered that Alan's aunt lived there. And she said, oh, come in, come in, come and have a cup of tea. I've got so much to talk about. So I followed her into the house. We went through to the kitchen and sat at the kitchen table. As she filled the kettle, I asked where Alan was. And she said, oh, that's quite a story. So I was intrigued, obviously. I wanted to know what was going on, what she knew, how she discovered the house, how come she'd moved in. She poured the tea and she sat at the table opposite me and she said, right, where to begin? This is a hell of a story. Her words, not mine. A hell of a story. I thought it had already been a hell of a story. What with Tracy moving into the house and Angela not knowing about the house. Anyway, I let her carry on talking. She said, now, do you remember Tracy from the pub? Now, at that point, I thought, right, this is what's happened. Alan's gone off with Tracy. But if that's the case, how come Angela's in the house? So I said, yeah, vaguely, I remember Tracy. I haven't seen her for years. I haven't seen anyone for years. She said, well, Tracy got a, a job on the cruise ships. And she said, uh, as you probably know, Alan's always liked the sea. He's always wanted to go to sea. And Tracy got him a job on the cruise ship, put him in touch with her boss, and he ended up on the ships. Now, this was all a surprise. I knew Alan liked the sea and he'd often talked about ships and how he wished he'd join the Navy. But uh, to run off with Tracy, because that's obviously in my mind what was going on. He'd run off with Tracy, run off to sea. <laughs> and uh, they're on the cruise ships together. So I said, well, when's he coming back? You know, what's he six months at a time? When's he coming back? And she said, well, this is the sad part of the story. He fell overboard. Oh, right, I didn't know what to say. I, I, Like a fool, I said, was he all right? She said, well, no, it was at night, it's dark. They found him eventually the next day. They were searching for him. They found him. I don't know where it was in the world. I didn't like to ask too much, but she had said it was a world cruise that he was on. I don't know what job he did. So I just looked at her and I said, oh, I'm so sorry. I just, I didn't know, I had no idea. She said, to be honest, we drifted apart she said it all started just after we got married, to be honest. She said he, he started staying out all night. He stayed with you two or three times, didn't he? And I just said, oh, uh, yes, yes, he did, yes. I mean, that wasn't true at all. And she said he was always out. I was never quite sure when he was coming in from work, never quite sure what he was doing at the weekend. Sometimes he'd go out, sometimes he wouldn't. And she said, yeah, once he got onto the ships, we just drifted apart totally. So I said, well, how did you end up in the house? And she said, well, he, he was a stickler for paperwork, getting everything right. And, and of course, hiding the house. <laughs> he did that very well. And she said, uh, we both did our wills. We wrote out our wills. And she said that she was called in by the solicitor. Here's Alan's will. He's left you a house. So he was at least good enough to put the house in the will to Angela. So she got the house. 
she said that she hadn't seen Tracy again. She did say that she knew Tracy had been living there and she couldn't quite work out why Alan had kept it all a secret. But I think at that stage she wasn't too bothered. She said she'd found some of Tracy's things upstairs, a couple of letters to her and some clothes, bits and pieces like that. So she said that she knew Tracy had moved in. And she said to me, did you know anything about any of this? I didn't see the point in telling her the whole story. I just said, well, all I knew was his aunt lived here. I said, I've been here a couple of times when his aunt was here. I said, but I didn't. Yeah, that's about as much as I know. So that was the story. Alan had gone overboard, left the house in his will to Angela. Angela did say, if ever Tracy turns up, her things are still here. She said, I've put them in the spare room. So I don't think she sort of put two and two together that Alan and Tracy, although they'd gone off to work on the ships, they, I think they were well, what we call these days an item. I think they were having an affair or whatever, run off to sea together. But it was sad, really, that Alan had gone. But it was nice that Angela had the house. So that's the, the tale. That's the story. I've kept it fairly short, missed out bits and pieces to keep it fairly short. Otherwise, we'll be here all day talking about it. But uh, yes, that's, uh, that is a true story for anyone, <laughs> anyone doubting it. I didn't keep in touch with Angela. Oh, by the way, just to fill in any loose ends, I had said to her I didn't see Alan at the pub again. He just disappeared from the pub. Everyone did. She said, no, he decided that we shouldn't go there anymore. Apparently made up some story. He'd fallen out with the, the landlord there. What it was, obviously, was if Angela had gone there, she would have found out that he'd got the house and Tracy was living there. So they'd gone to another pub, uh, the other side of town, made that their local that's why I didn't ever see them in the pub. So there we are. There's another strange thing. Reminds me of someone else, actually. I knew a, a chap. He had a girlfriend. They lived together and she was pregnant. They often came into the pub and had a chat. She'd just have orange juice or something because of the baby. And he started coming in with this other girl who was also about eight months pregnant. Now, this is true. And when we next saw him alone, you know, we said to him, what's going on? You've got two pregnant women. He said, yeah, well, yeah, one's my girlfriend and one's sort of whoever it was, this other woman. And he said, uh, the trouble is the babies are both due about two or three days apart. <laughs> of course, back then, you know, you went into hospital for babies and things. He said, they're both going to be in hospital together. And you know, we were just stunned in the pub. We said, how on earth do you do that? How on earth do you lead this double life? You've got two women, you're living with one, they're both eight months pregnant. <laughs> now that is true. I don't know what happened in the end. Once the babies were born, we didn't see him again. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not funny really, is it? It's awful. But how I couldn't do that, how people can do that, two separate lives. You hear of people marrying two different people, don't you? Two houses, two wives, two sets of children. They make out they're working away, don't they, for two weeks. Then they're back working locally for two weeks while they swap houses. You hear this sort of thing on the news, don't you? It's incredible. I just could not do it. I'm just not very good at lying. That's why all my stories are true, you're thinking. I knew a, a chap. This is awful. Um, I'm not going to go into it now, but uh, maybe for a later date. There was this chap and his wife used to come into the pub and they had a, a child in a pushchair. I won't mention their names. And you know, they seemed happy enough. What uh, the chap didn't realise was this other friend of ours, mutual friend in the pub, had been having an affair with his wife for well over, what, a year, two years? I only found out about it towards the end. 
when I mean I moved away. I didn't go to that pub anymore, and I only just found out about it. But all that time, I thought they were such a happy married couple, and she'd been seeing this other, this mutual friend of ours, for two years or more. I bumped into the chap, the the other husband, many oh thirty years later, and I said, "Oh, hi, how are you doing?" And the first thing he said to me was, "Oh, hello, Ray. Do you remember?" I won't mention the name in the pub. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, going back a bit. He said he was, whatever, with my wife. And uh, I just said, oh, I didn't know that. I mean, I did, only found out towards the end. But it's awful, especially when people are friends, to be doing that behind someone's back. I don't know. There we are. There's one thing about getting old. You sort of get... (laughs) You sort of get too old for all that. You know what I mean? You can't be bothered. I suppose, what were we... uh, We were in our 20s. no. I think late 20s or 30s at the time. So, yes, I remember. I, I feel sorry for the child because, I mean, the child's grown up now, obviously, probably got children of uh, his or her own. I can't even remember whether it was a girl or boy. But it is a shame, isn't it? Well, I've just washed the car, ready for the Isle of Wight trip. I'm going to end it here. I know it's a lot shorter than usual, but uh, as I said, I'm not here at the moment. I'm in the Isle of Wight. <laughs> well, I am here, but I won't be. You know what I mean. Just bought a nice case. Did I tell you about the case I bought on eBay? Actually, Trisha found it for me. It's a like a briefcase, a hard type one, you know, with the two combination locks on each latch. And it's for all my... I think I told you. Did I tell you? I can't remember. Isn't it awful getting old? It's got some positive points, some pluses getting old. But it's also got some negatives. <laughs> anyway, this case, um, I've put a couple of pens in there and a pad. I've got my Morse code uh, app on the phone so I can brush up on my Morse code speed. You're thinking, right, nerd, now aren't you? What a nerd. I've got several radios. I've got the aircraft radio so I can listen to the aircraft going in and out of Sandown Airport and Bembridge Airport. I've got the marine radio so I can listen to Solent Coast Guard and all the, the boats and the yachts all around the Isle of Wight. So that's good. I've got the amateur radio gear so I can talk to nerds. <laughs> anyway, I'm really pleased with the case. You wouldn't believe it was second-hand looking. Well, you can't look at it, can you? OK, I'm waffling now. I shall end it here. Hope you enjoyed the story. And, oh, just one thing. Who was it? Now, someone emailed me. Was it um, Harry? That yeah, Harry. He said, uh, other people have said, how, how come you've got so many stories? I got out and about, Harry. I think I've said this before in answer to the same question. I used to get out and about and meet people. I very rarely sat at home. I was always out, you know, every night I'm out somewhere, every weekend I was out somewhere meeting people. I didn't have loads of friends, I had loads of acquaintances, loads of people you bump into and have a chat to. And that's where a lot of this came from, a lot of these incidents, (laughs) call them incidents. That's how I knew about what was going on with people. For some reason, and I've never understood why, for some reason people confide in me. I remember one chap, he was from Hampshire, I, Hampshire, Hwar. No, they don't talk like that in Hampshire, do they? (laughs) Anyway, he said to me one evening, we were having a chat, and he told me almost his life story. Then he suddenly said, why am I telling you all this? He said, I don't want you to know all about my life. He told me about his childhood, his parents, his marriage that had split up. And I must admit, I was thinking, why tell me? (laughs) He wasn't a a close friend. Yeah, we were mates, but um, wasn't a close friend or anything. He just started telling me. And at the end, he said, well, you know, don't tell other people what I've told you. And I said, well, no, of course I won't. No, no. So I don't know, but people have always confided in me. That's why when I'm telling you things 
on the podcast episodes, I've got to be a bit careful. I either change the names or not name them at all. So there we are. If you'd like to confide in me, <laughs> I'll share your name, email, phone number and address. Just email me, raiserants at protonmail.com. And the next Sunday's episode, you know what that's all going to be about, don't you? The Isle of Wight. No, it won't. It won't. I won't bore you with that. I like to go back to the past. And I don't mean a week ago. I mean years, decades ago. So the story I've just told you, that was that was decades ago. Do you know, sometimes I think, I think that was a long time ago. Then I work it out. Good grief, it was over 50 years ago. Half a century. Anyway, take care. Look after yourselves. I hope the sun's shining where you are. And I shall see you, what, uh, next Wednesday for the midweek message and then the following Sunday. Bye-bye for now.